go to the Lord in prayer today as we just bow before the throne of grace. We know we can find help in our time of need. And no doubt there are needs all over the world right now and needs in hearts and lives. And we've heard prayer requests for little baby that is in need. I received a request and greetings to you from South Africa from a pastor there, Brother Duet. And he's got a need. He's just really been feeling bad and loss of energy and this king, his body can't seem to keep up. He's not an old man. He's a young man. He needs a touch from the Lord. And he, he's believed to, today in your prayers that as you pray that God would answer. So he's asked. You see, we don't get anything unless we ask. But if we ask, we shall receive. So we're looking to the Lord today as we just go before the throne of grace now. Maybe you've got a need in your heart today and you said, Lord, don't pass me by. Will you just come by my pew where I am to my need today that you'd minister to me. Father, as we bow before your throne of grace today, we thank you that you're always the on-time God, healer, deliverer, savior, satisfier, need supplier. And that you're always a present help in our time of trouble. Lord, you never left us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. Hands went out to you today. Request comes out all the way from South Africa saying, God, will you minister to my need? Lord, you hear the humble hearts cry of your people around the world. They're in such need, Lord, desperate conditions. Lord, but you're the healer and deliverer. And Father, we're in a desperate situation. Father, we're here in the end time. We know, Lord, that we're right on the brink of the coming of the Lord. At least that's what we believe with all our hearts. Because we see evil closing in everywhere. Sin abounding. and Lord, trouble rising. The winds of change that is happening. Lord, all over the world. Oh, God, will you just be merciful to us, Lord. And get us ready, Lord, and prepared to meet you. Lord, if there be one today that don't know you in the power of the resurrection, may today they know you, Lord, in that life-giving change. Lord, that they can receive the change of their body on that day. We heard the song say, I'll see you in the rapture. Lord, that's the heart's desire of, of every believer today. We want to be there. We don't want to miss it. We want to be a part of the great plan of God. And we believe we are. We're just stepping on and dressing ourselves in the word today. Lord, we're girding ourselves with faith to believe for that which seems impossible. And then we, even in this, Lord, we're sending on the wings of this prayer, healing, oh God, to all the way to South Africa, where our voice is heard today around the world. May they reach out and receive from you and receive healing and deliverance and salvation. May the prodigal come home, the lost be found. Lord, the sick be healed, the bride of Christ encouraged and strengthened and edified and built up ever need supply. Bless Brother Timothy as he ministers a word today of a northern Arkansas 
Thank you, Lord, for the reports of those meetings and what you've done. I ask, Lord, you'll just do it today with a great crescendo of your Holy Spirit. And don't forget us here, Lord, as we, the home church, are sending them out across the land. Lord, these ministers may, Lord, the evening light shine bright today. And, oh, God, rekindle lights in every heart and every, every life everywhere, Lord, and in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. We appreciate the, the music. Thank you very much. God bless you. I'd like to turn to Genesis 18 before you're seated. So Genesis 18, and we'll read from verse 1, and then I want to go to immediately to verse 9. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah was well were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore she laughed within herself, saying, After I am old and waxed old, and shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord at that Time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. But he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. Amen. I I just wanted to take a time, a moment here while we're all home as a home body and be able to express my, my appreciation and my love to you and gratitude for um, your wonderful time that you gave everybody at the at our October meetings. It was a, just a tremendous time in the Lord, and, and I want to say thank you for what you did and the part that you played. Every one of you making a contribution somewhere, and you know I, I want to thank you for giving shade as an old oak tree and keeping people in your homes and and uh, providing food, helping out in many other ways. And, uh, you know, the preparations for the meetings and after the meetings and everything that was done and our servants to the church, the, the deacons and trustees, they worked so hard and, and they worked, but everything just worked so seamless, seamlessly. You know, it just was like a well-oiled machine. And, uh, you know, just everything went from there all the way through the, the plan, the food preparations, and, and the, the meal that we shared together, the after-service uh, after uh, snack bags that people could take home. We do that because a lot of times there isn't anything open that that many people could go find something. And so we do that so that it make it a little easier for them, lift a burden. And uh, we, we so appreciate the many who came and was a part of that meeting. And you know, we, we just um, had the servants of the Lord, the ministry, the musicians, the, the uh, singers that served so well and did tremendously. And I just want to say I am so proud of you. Amen. You did so well. I uh, received this from Brother Kalen Singh from South Africa. 
And I thought he summed up the meetings for us pretty well. And Brother Kalen is a minister friend of mine, pastor over there um, near Durban somewhere, an uh, hour or so away from there, and um, has this little church there. And we have been corresponding probably the last 10, 15 years and, and uh, that I've been in contact with him. And um, so, you know, he listens in to a lot of our services, like right now today, Brother DeWitt from around Johannesburg is listening in. God bless you, Brother DeWitt from Evening Light Tabernacle, and may God restore health to you. And and, uh, also, we we have men like Brother Buzz Bozy that listens in from Uganda as a pastor there, and also a pastor um, sing there in the Durban area and many others that that listen in. Uh, we hear regularly from Brother Wilson from another uh, part around the Cape of South Africa. So, you know, uh, then, then from different places, from Denmark, Sweden, uh, you know, just around the world. And um, so we, we just want today to say we appreciate them and greet them. But Brother Kalen kind of wrote after the, the meetings and he kind of summed it up for me and he said, all I can say is that Evening Light Tabernacle has waged war. And he took the names Wayne, Andrew, and Ron and took the first letters of their name and it spells W-A-R, war. And, and of course, I, I want you to know our war isn't against flesh and blood. Amen. But it's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So, you know, is nothing directed at any, any of our brothers or sisters or friends or, uh, or anybody else or any other church. We are, our enemy is the devil. Amen. And so we, we, but we wage war and that's what we intended to do. War on sin, war on unbelief, war on sickness war on every demon power. We are here to wage war. Amen. And we, we, have, we have made a solemn act and declaration of war against the devil. We're not having peace with him. Amen. We're not giving up land for peace. We're standing on that promise of God. But, um, but he went on to say on the kingdom of hell that saw the bride realize that she is anointed to accept what Eve turned down. Now watch these are sermon titles. He said, the bride realized she is anointed to accept what Eve turned down. This has made her cry out, let's finish this. For she is the anointed bride body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she is now feeling the effect of the vision as it dawns on her that Satan has underestimated her. For he cannot stop her from stepping into the mystery of the change. <laughs> Amen. I tell you what, I, I, re- I didn't think I could say it any better, so I thought I'd just read what he said. And he summed it up pretty well. And he goes on to say, I truly believe the latter glory of Eden and light tabernacle will be far greater than the former. You are truly an instrument of inspiration in the hand of the Lord to stir this bride on into complete victory. For that, we salute you. Amen. So we so appreciate those words of encouragement from Brother Kalen today and also from Brother Duet um, and the Eagle Ministry Tabernacle there. And uh, just believing that God, who said, I will restore, will come by your way today with healing in his wings. Amen. He's that kind of a God. 
Amen. Aren't you glad to be serving the Lord? Amen. And just to know him and to have and experienced him and to have him in our presence is so, so wonderful. So we're looking today to the Lord to minister to us. Now we're going to go right on to the word now as we come close to the noon hour here in Louisiana. And um, as we uh, begin to look in the scriptures, we we are, yes, still dealing with the prophecy of Abraham. And I'm, I'm continuing to deal with this because, remember, um, it's something that Brother Branham would bring out almost every sermon and, and preach entire series on. And so I think it's worth us looking at and really taking a, a real uh, in-depth thoughts about it because it is prophesying of the end time. And what we're doing in this last day. You see, we see the Bible quite differently than others. We see it as a prophecy. And we, we see ourselves in it. And uh, one service I'd like to just be able to take and, and show you even the scriptures. Every, every verse in the Bible speaks of Jesus Christ. And so as we, if it speaks of him, then it also speaks of his work of redemption and you. And so if you go and you read in the Bible and you miss seeing Christ in it, go back and read it again. He's there somewhere. Amen. So, uh, Sister Bethany was telling me about uh, listening to, the, um, to all the, the, the buildings of the tabernacle and, and the trappings and the, you know, just minute details of how that everything was to be and, and, and all the anointing, the clothes, everything done in such a way. And, you know, it, it almost seems laborious. But when you realize our God is a detailed God, he's seen to every detail of your life. And so he doesn't just take up space in his Bible. If he says something in his word, it's for, it was, of course, for them. But it's even that. The word of God continues living. It's an, a living word. So even though other generations might have saw themselves in it, it's written there for you to see yourself in it. So um, we're, today we're going to be, be speaking on looking for Sarah because on the plains of Mamre, here God came looking specifically now and he's looking for Sarah. And, and I want you to notice in this, God comes himself. If you notice, this was the pre-incarnate Christ prefiguring what he would do in the last days. And I love it when God takes personal interest in man's affairs. And I think God did that to us so much in our generation, you know, where he would tell names and addresses, exactly where people lived, exactly, you know, the, the, the problem that they have. It was a God that could know every detail of your life. If he knew the past, he would certainly know the present. If he knows the present, he certainly knows your future. So it's a God that is a detailed God. And here he comes down himself looking into the details. He's looking for Sarah. And and so this is, again, he has met with Abraham time after time. But 
This time, he's looking for Sarah. Where is Sarah, thy wife? So God has taken personal interest. As I said, I love it when he takes personal interest in man's affair. God didn't just send angels looking for Sarah, but although he was accompanied by them, but he himself was looking for Sarah. Amen. So God is present, of course, you know, in the form of the Holy Ghost, but angels are present also. So when God comes looking, you come in the form of the Holy Ghost, but the angels of God are also here. And they're also part, but God comes himself. Notice we are here in the very finish, and in the finish, God has not entrusted the finish with someone else. He comes himself. And you look at the anointing coming down of Revelation 10. It's a mighty angel. And it's Christ coming down as his own messenger. How could Christ be an angel? He's not an angel, but he is a messenger. Right? So he comes as his own messenger. He doesn't, he doesn't come with an anointing of, of another angel or another, this ain't an anointing of, of Gabriel, this is an anointing of wormwood, or this is an angelic anointing, this is his own anointing. And he comes down, Christ is his own messenger, and what he does, he pledges himself. Amen, he lifts his hand to heaven and swears by him that liveth forever and ever. Amen, that I, there's not going to be any more delay. I, I've held things back, but I'm no longer holding them back. Amen, I, I have waited for this day and for this time, but now it is the hour to release, to release all that I've held back for the end time. I've prophesied it in the scripture. I've showed it in every verse. I've, I've identified it in the prophet's message. But I tell you, what I'm doing is that I am pledging myself. Amen. I'm standing as a guarantee, swearing by his own self. Amen. That I'm here to finish this work. I'm here to perform what I sent the word to do. I'm not going to abandon the project. Amen. I am not giving up on having a bride without spot or wrinkle. I am looking for Sarah. I am looking for that woman, and I'm not going to leave her where I found her, but I'm going to change her to receive the promised son. So how does he come? In Abraham's day, he came in a tangible, physical form, manifesting God as a man. But today he comes as a Holy Spirit and he uses flesh. He uses the flesh of redeemed men. When he came in the fullness of his manifestation, Abraham never got confused and made three gods out of him. Neither did he try to take away the deity of Christ and calling it two lords. Let me say, let me just say while we're here, Jesus is not a lesser Lord. He is the almighty God. He was manifested in the body of the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only man that God will ever dwell in fully. Amen. Each one of us have the spirit of Christ by portion. And remember, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ because he said, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. So that's the Holy Spirit. 
Are you with me? The very spirit of Jesus, a portion of him living in you. Shown on the day of Pentecost, what did God do? He divided himself. And there he come in portions with every one of you to have a portion of deity, a lick of fire in your own life. Hallelujah. Amen. Making together the fullness of the Godhead bodily in a bride form. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this was the calling forth of Sarah. Where is Sarah? God came looking for her. Before he deals with Sodom, before he calls out Lot, he calls for Sarah. And Sarah represents the bride. And before the Lot group goes into tribulation, he comes looking for Sarah. And before Sodom burns and the millennium comes when the world will be purged of sin, he comes looking for Sarah. Because he must have a church ready to receive the promised son. Amen. Now, in Works is Faith Express, I wanted to share with you this quote. And I, I just want to, I want this to become real to you. He says, God, and this is part of his prayer, to the Pentecostal church of this day, the restoration of gifts, may Lord those men, maybe some of them present here, some of them hearing the tape around the world, may they realize that this is the calling out of the bride, not a Pentecostal message. The Pentecostal message was to restore the gifts back to the church. But this is the calling forth of the bride, another message that was to come just before Sodom was to be burned. Let them understand, dear God. Now notice, so this message is the calling forth of the bride. Other messages did other things. Luther's message brought justification. Wesley's message brought sanctification. You see, the Azusa revival brought gifts and baptisms in the Holy Spirit. But this message is looking for Sarah. Amen. It is the calling forth of the bride, and it is calling her forth to the original Pentecost. Hallelujah. God was saying to Sarah, I am going to restore you all your loss, Everything you've missed, the child you didn't have, come on now, the thing you've been waiting on, the thing you've been bereft of, I'm going to restore that to you. And you're going you're gonna to be like you were before your womb dried up, before your milk veins were gone. Amen. Before all of your, your youth and vitality was gone, I'm going to restore you back to the way you were. But this time, I'm not taking my church and going down with it. I'm going up with it. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to know, this is no Azusa Street Pentecostal message. As that led to organization. It did not direct the people to become a virgin bride. This message is to take the barren church and fill it with life and impregnate her with the long-awaited promised son. Jesus Christ will be formed in the bride body and then that bride people will bring Jesus for that meeting in the air. 
Now, this calling forth of the bride was, as Brother Brandon was speaking of, is the original Pentecost. The original Pentecostal message and not something different. It is the same grain that was planted at Pentecost coming back to seed again. You see, and, the, and of course, you know, to do that, to come to seed, it means we've got to bake all the greenness out of us. Amen. Amen. It means that the immaturity of the ages is baked out and now the, and the, and the grain is now mature as it was at Pentecost. Partial word has given way to the fullness of the word. Dips of the Spirit has given way to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. It is the word in power. Now, as we're looking at this, you see, there's a lot of misunderstandings today when it comes to this. And to some, laying in the presence of the Son means no shouting, no, no emotion, you know, it's all dry, no revival, no gifts of the Spirit, no movement of the Holy Ghost. It's the word now and it's supposed to be dry. Oh, oh yes, and for years they've said it's immature to shout. Only babies do that. It's immature to speak with tongues. You know, with the perfect word and, and with the full light, it just burns all that old immaturity out. But I want you to know it's not immaturity to speak in tongues and prophesy and to have gifts of the Spirit. You can't be mature and complete without it. It is not immature to shout. The mature church will shout, will rejoice, and will laugh at the prospect of the promised son. It is a mature church who has healings and miracles and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Now, I thought that the Azusa Pentecostals are immature because they had gifts and spoke with tongues. No, they had matured past the Lutherans. You see, before past the Lutherans stopped, they had matured and the Methodist pollen to be able to speak with tongues. They were more mature. Come on, somebody. They weren't less mature. They were more mature. Because they were more mature, they spoke in other tongues and had gifts of the Spirit. Now, what makes them Pentecostal babies is because you can't teach them supernatural things. You see, they're immature because they jump up and down like a kid doing that to try and speak with tongues and refuse them to walk in all the word. Amen. That makes them babies. But true and maturity and rightness is not a dry, formal religion. Amen. That's a description of the dry, dead blade, tussle, and shuck. But the life is in the grave. Now, making the greenness and the immaturity out doesn't take away the power of God and signs and wonders. Amen. Making the greenness out brings that. Amen. Because she becomes the fullness of what she was at Pentecost, when she was mature. Come on. Any ministry without divine healing, miracles, signs, and wonders is a green ministry. I'm not saying you're not green now. I'm saying you're immature. A mature ministry will have the power of the resurrected Christ in it. 
A mature church will have gifts of the Spirit in it. A mature church will have Holy Ghost power. A mature church will have divine healing. A mature church can be taught supernatural things. Without causing carnal comparisons. Well, well, Brother Tim, this is the grain now, and we, we, we ain't nothing like, we ain't nothing like the Mazusa bunch. Well, why was it? You know, we said, we ain't nothing like them shuck out there. We're just nothing like that. Well, why was it then the prophet told us repeatedly that the shuck looked so much like the grain that it would deceive the elect if it were possible? Hmm. The shuck looked so much like the real thing. Well, we don't want to be like that. They look more real than what Baptists and Methodist message churches do. Amen. They're a little bit closer up the ladder than what them are, are down in the past. They're a little more mature. Somebody help me preach. You see, the grain is the full word. And since every gift of the Spirit, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healing, miracles, faith, all of that that is listed in the Bible, so since that is a part of the Word, then that's in the grave. Now, in the masterpiece message, Brother Branham said, uh, at the harvest time, the seed is back in its original condition. And you must have all the word in order to be seed. Somebody say all the word. We got an open book. There's none of it closed. Healing's not closed to us. Miracles is not closed. Mysteries of God is not closed. Seven thunders are not closed. Amen. Listen, none of it's closed to us. It's all open to us. So you see, to the, seed, to the seed is back in its original condition and must have all the word in order to be the seed. Now, you can't have half a seed. It won't grow. See, it's got to be the whole seed. See, that's why we're preaching a full gospel, an open book. None of it's closed. Amen. It's got to be the whole seed. It's got to manifest, say, well, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, I believe in speaking in tongues. He said, that's just part of the seed. Uh-huh, but now there's added to that. See, see the life, not just, not the gifts, the life of the gifts. See what I mean? We are at the end time, brother. So we have more than just gifts, although that's part of the seed. I just read it to you. It's part of the seed, but we got more than that because we got the life, the personal presence of Christ, the Holy Ghost himself. Who's appearing to Sarah here? Not an angel, not a, not a secondary God. Amen, but God himself coming down. Now, so Brother Tim, well, we got the life, not the gifts. Well, you know, people have used that you know, to do away with the gifts of the Spirit. You know, that's like Rebecca refusing the gifts of Isaac to become his bride. You can't do that. You can't refuse the engagement ring and, and the things that identify you as bride. These signs shall follow them that believe. Well, other women wear jewelry too. They got signs and wonders too. Listen, but you've got to have it. 
To be the bride of Christ, if you're a believer, sign, follow the believer. What shall I do with this Jesus called Christ? He says, what sinful man could there be today that could look in the face of the Bible and see if the Holy Spirit isn't the interpreter of the word today, making himself known by manifestations of promises of the gifts and things that he promised to do in this day, Malachi 4 being fulfilled and all the rest of the scripture being fulfilled. See it right here at the end time. You don't need any man to interpret it. It interprets itself. It proves it's the message of the hour. Again, and he would tell us, and if God be with us, where are the miracles? And he said, if God be God, where is his miracles? If God's with us, where is his miracles? If God is with the Methodist church, why is the women wearing bobbed hair? If God is with the Baptist church, why does the pastor still smoke cigarettes? Many of them. Why do they deny the power of God to heal the sick, raise the dead, and speak in tongues and interpret tongues and gifts of prophecy? Why do they still deny it? If the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New, is still the same God. So he said, if God is with us, if this is his appearing, if this is Christ among us, then where are his miracles? And we're declaring Christ is among us. And so are his miracles. Hallelujah. It's time that people wake up and see the hour and turn the corner from the past ages and become the bride she was at Pentecost. Get focused. It's truly a serious time. You know, listen, this message came by the supernatural. And the only way this bride is raptured before the tribulation is by the supernatural. So she's got to be a supernatural church. Brother Branham told us, he said, as she nears him, she will be a super church. Amen. I believe we are a super race, a super church. Come on now. Now, so again... Time for people to wake up. That's what the seven thunders were to do. They were to wake the bride to the reality of the supernatural God as his voice uttered by seven angels to the prophet. That was supernatural. It was no intellectual revival that awoke the bride. And I'll just tell you, no intellectual revival today will awake the bride. No seminars, no intellectual teaching. Come on. It'll take the anointing power, supernatural gospel, amen, to bring the bride to awaken to who she is. Where are you, Sarah? You need an awakening that this is your hour, this is your time. Brother Branham himself realized that people were receiving it intellectually instead of laying in the presence of God and it ripening their faith. Amen. You know, faith ought to be ripened. Healing ought to be ripened. Salvation ought to be ripened. Baptism of the Holy Ghost shouldn't be just a dip in the spirit and you dance and get it on your spirit realm and never on the soul. Amen. It ought to be laying in the presence of the Son, ripening, bringing to maturity faith, the power of God, the 
mysteries of God, come on. It's not intellectual. It is a supernatural revival. Amen. Amen. Now, notice this date in 1965, 11:28. God's only provided place of worship. He says, I believe the church is beginning to hear the message and beginning to understand it. Now, he's just described in, in pretext here, um, in context of this, he just described the, going beyond the curtain of time, a supernatural event. And he, and he says, I believe the church is beginning to hear the message and beginning to understand it. But friend, listen, we got to lay in the presence of the sun. We've got to be ripened. Our faith isn't ripe. Intellectually, we're hearing the message God gave us and seeing the signs he showed us, proving it by the Bible, it's there, but oh, how the church needs to lay in the present till it tenders up, you know, and get sweet in the spirit so it can just bathe down. Something, sometimes in speaking the message, you get hard and you have to break it in like that because you gotta clench a nail to make it whole. But when the church once gets it and the elected is called out and separated, then in the presence of God, I know it'll be like the people was there, referring to the, the curtain of time, when it takes its rapture. What was there was this is divine love, this is the Holy Ghost. So there's gotta be a church walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Something more than an intellectual revival, but a people walking in the power of God. Now, let me just remind you of a, of a phrase that my good friend who's now going to be to glory, Brother Harold Hildebrandt would say, this message can't be passed on intellectually. Now, you know, today, sometimes, you know, we, we think we're going to get it by study. And, and that's the way that it's going to be. If, if we can just study, study it all and get it all, you know, get it all figured out and, you know, just study it all and get it lined up. Well, let me tell you, that's man anointing. It was man anointing under Luther that was calling for that kind of study. But I want you to know this is an eagle anointing and it doesn't come by study. It comes by experience with God. Breaking out of earthbound conditions into realms where all things are possible. Amen. Today, we have wanted to dress the church up a little bit and refine it. You know, we want to, we want to teach a learned behavior. You know, we have to teach a man to love his wife. Well, brother, if I got to teach you to love your wife, there's something wrong. If there isn't that love in your heart for your wife, I don't know all the teaching that I do is gonna do it. I didn't have to teach you to love her when she was your girlfriend. Did I? You didn't have to have seminars for me to teach you to love your wife or your girlfriend. Now you're, you're supposed to love her now. Hey boy, you're supposed to love her. You know, buy her nice things, make her happy, take her out, get her something to eat, you know, have a good time with her, communicate. I didn't have to teach that. And 
I tell you, you get men and women filled with the Holy Ghost, you ain't gonna have to teach them to love their wife or a woman to obey her husband. Come on, amen, especially when the Holy Ghost is anoint the word in your life, it's gonna quicken it. And it ain't gonna be some counseling service out here in the back where that you learn that. It's not a learned behavior. It becomes automatically. Why, it'll even make you love your enemy, let alone your wife or husband. Now, you know, I, I just want to say godly instruction is good, but that's all law. You know, do this, don't do that. You know, I'm going to give you this formula. Now, try this, check this out. Send her roses on her birthday. and You know what she finds out? I told you that. She'll throw them roses back in your face. If she finds out that was just something that was you know, told to do, somebody had to tell him to do that and it didn't come back from her heart, from his heart. She gonna throw that back in your face. She don't want them roses cause brother Tim told you to get her son. Right? Amen, she wants it because there's a love in your heart, a care that is there. Somebody with me today. Amen. So you see, you, you know, that's a whole thing. It's, it's not something that is learned. The Holy Ghost is not a learned behavior. I'm going to learn not to look at pornography so much. We're going to learn. I'm going to teach you how certain steps, you know, you take, you know, and, and this is how that, you know, you treat the, the finances God gave you. And, and I, I'm going to do all that. Listen, that is not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, we, we need to teach our people how to manage their money, how to manage their finances. Well, I, I admit sometimes godly instruction can be appropriate, but what we really need, you want to hear it? What we really need is the Holy Ghost that blasts out sin and takes greed out of our lives and Holy Ghost power that keeps envy and covetousness now and what then until whatever state you find yourself in, there will you are content that gain is not godliness but godliness with content is great gain. That comes by the Holy Ghost. That's cause you get in love with Jesus. You ain't greedy no more for filthy lucre. So you ain't chasing the dollar everywhere and you're not running up your credit cards and living beyond your means. You're not trying to keep up with the Joneses because of your covetousness. Good dose of the Holy Ghost to cure that. Amen. It'll make you content with such things as you have. It'll make give you joy in the Lord instead of things. You quit being laid to see you trying to be rich and increase with goods and don't have need of God. He's pushed out of your life. You see, the calling forth of the bride is not an intellectual revival. It's a supernatural and it's power. Its power is not in learned behavior. Its power is in a changed life. It is not a reformation. And that's the problem. We're still trying to reform people. 
You don't do that, you don't do that. You treat your wife this way and you treat your children this way and you do this and you do that and you pay your tithes and you come to church. You're trying to reform them. Get the transforming power of the Holy Ghost and make a new creature out of them. It'll change their attitudes. Well, anyway, educating people into Bible truths is not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into men's hearts that gives an attitude and a hunger for truth, an appetite and attitude and hunger. You see, you see, that's what God that, that's what got us into this mess that we're in. Is the first age started drifting. And they started drifting, you know, by trying to dress the gospel up to make it appealing to uh, their bosses and the rich man and whatever as they met in these little dim-lidded places. And the Holy Spirit was replaced with intellectual conception. Divine revelation was replaced by educating people by knowledge. And the the gospel became knowledge-based instead of spirit-based. Now, in Moses' day, this is what had got Israel out of their homeland all the way back to the time of Joseph. You see, the people didn't want the supernatural. They saw Joseph, a man who had dreams and visions and the voice of God was speaking to him and you could see the favor was upon his life and out of jealousy, they sold him. Amen. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, if you see the, the, the hand of God on somebody's life, don't, don't, don't try to be envious of them and jealous and stop it. Amen, do everything you can, join with it. And this got them out of their promised land. It's wound up getting them all the way down to Egypt. Of course, God had a plan. Yes, God had provisions. God made a way instead of all of the awful jealousies and everything that went on. Now, so in Moses' day, that got them out. They thought, the brethren, that they would never have need for a man like that. So why not just get rid of him? I'm quoting now from third Exodus. He said, that's what the same things happened today. They, be, they think that because our churches has become intellectual, that we got the best dressed crowds, the biggest organization, the smartest ministers, that we have no use for the Holy Spirit in the way it was back there, that they are full. In other words, actions speak louder than words, that their seminaries and the brain of their being and they're coming together and discussing this thing are more able with their intellectual minds to set a church in order, better than what the Holy Spirit could do it. They don't need it any longer. It's something we don't need today. The days of that is past. Is that right? We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. We got doctors. We don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right from your framework the lifeline. Jesus said them Jews in this day haven't you read that the stone that was rejected is the chief cornerstone that all the building is set upon? 
You see, this is exactly where Brother Branham was when, when the, the seven angels came to him. He came reopened the Bible to there where there was a chief cornerstone. It was a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. But God was restoring the capstone back to the church, bringing her to completion. Amen. That's what the seven thunders do. That's what the mysteries of God are to do, is to bring you into maturity. Amen. But God said, but as God said to that barren Sarah, you know, that she will be restored. So he uses Israel now to, that he brought out of Egypt to prophesy to us that God will restore. Hallelujah. In other words, they're out of their land. They got down there for the jealousy of the brothers. They went into intellectualism, but I will restore. I'm going to bring it back by the supernatural. It was not an intellectual revival by the way that Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was by the supernatural. It was by raining down plagues on Satan's kingdom. Come on, he had afflicted them enough. Now it was the devil's turn to be afflicted. I'm gonna tell you, we've been afflicted enough. It's the devil's turn. Hallelujah. There's gotta be a people that take the word and put it in their mouth and call flies down, call fleas down, call plants down until the enemy says, get out, take your rapture and go. Praise the Lord. Now, so God, so it prophesies to us that in a day like this of doom and gloom and darkness, that it shall be light in the evening time. And with the power of the light of that word, the bride tree will bloom again. Hallelujah. I, I'm just telling you, get ready to be restored. Get ready. You're in the greatest hour of restoration that there's ever been. Get ready for God to restore your home, restore your family, restore your health. How much, Brother Tim, till our bodies are changed? That's how much. We're not asked to believe for a little divine healing. We're asked to believe for massive, total divine healing. Restoration of the bride trees, but the evening light shall rise in the west to shine upon the word. Remember, that's Revelation 10, 1. Put it up, and you'll see Revelation 10, 1. His face was, as it were, the sun. I'm telling you, no shadow over it. Unveiled God. The mighty God unveiled before us. Somebody with me? Amen. No shadows. Amen. His face, as it were, the sun. And that's his countenance, his feet as pillars of fire. A Holy Ghost church going forth conquering. That's what that is. Amen. But he said, but the evening light shall rise in the west to shine upon the word, to ripen the fruit, to bring the bride tree with the same signs, wonders and fruits that they had at the beginning. It shall be light in the evening time. 
right? Oh, the word will bring, then bring forth its fruit in its season. It shall not wither, but it'll bring forth its fruit, David said, in its season. And that same fruit it had at the beginning. And I want you to know it's the season. You think it's out of season for miracles and signs and wonders? This is a season. This is the hour of restoration. Amen. Maybe they didn't have the right to believe for that in Luther's day or Wesley's day, but we have the right. God opened the book for you. And when he opened the book, he opened every promise. Every word of God. Amen. You say, well, Brother Jim, you're, you're standing for gifts and signs and wonders. Listen, I'm standing for every word. I'm, I'm not just wanting gifts and signs and wonders. I want people that live right, that are filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, that knows their God so they can do exploits. Come on. Not people who have a bunch of knowledge in their head and their bunch of message egg heads, but people that know their God so they know their position in Christ and can cast Satan out. Say, Brother Tim, I need to come to you so you can cast the devil out of me. Why don't you do it? Why is that just my job? That's your job. That's my job. That's all of our jobs. Cast Satan out. He gets in your home, cast him out. Gets in your marriage, cast him out. I don't mean God get a hold of this woman now. See, you got a devil. No, I know, I can smell it, I can see it, I can hear it all over her. She's got a devil, I know that was a devil. Don't you do that. That ain't the way to cast out devils. You humble yourself before the Lord. Become a servant. Love one another. Do what is right. Treat her like you would want to be treated. Make her a queen. You want to be king? Make her a queen. You want to be a queen? Make him a king. Hello. Somebody else will be preaching next time. But I am, I am pastor here. So this gets a little pastoral. Just hold on. Now, so you see, the evening lights shall rise upon in the west to shine upon the word, to ripen the fruit, to bring the bride tree with the same signs and wonders and fruits that they had at the beginning. It shall be light in the evening time. The word will bring forth his fruit in its season. It will not wither, but it will bring the same fruits. Bring forth his fruit. David said in his seasons, amen, same fruit it had at the beginning. What? Amen. This bright tree is going to have the same fruit that they had in the beginning. Now with this word in this predestinated stage, as he's got it now, and we see the words all being manifested, what is it? It's a perfect vindication that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And the time that he said, I will restore, saith the Lord, all the can- them canker worms, all the Methodists left, and all that canker caterpillar is eaten, and all this done, they stripped it down, but I will restore in the evening time. Well, Brother Tim, 
We got all the mystery truths restored. We got it. Well, let me just say about doctrine. Doctrine is not supposed to be dry and formal and make eggheads out of us. Doctrine comes as the Holy Spirit. Come on. The apostle Paul, put this scripture up, 1 Corinthians 2, 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, now, he was an egghead, Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had knowledge above them all. He could define the law and why and where and how and all it comes, and uh, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But I came not with all my knowledge and excellency of speech or my wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. That's not how I witnessed this gospel. I didn't come and say, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I know more than the rest of you and I've been in this longer and and I've got all the mysteries down and everybody sit down and listen to me. That's not what he said. I came declaring to you the testimony of God for I determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is what I wanted you to know. I knew that I had met Jesus. Hallelujah. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my testimony and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not rest or stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's where I want your faith. Amen, that it's in the power of God. Our faith is not to be in, well, I know what the thunders are and I know what serpent seed is and I know, so therefore I got the Holy Ghost. No, you got to know the power of God. Your faith cannot rest in knowing and understanding all the mysteries. You're just as much as those that depends on tongues. You're just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. Amen, but you see, your, life, your faith is going to rest in the power of God. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. Somebody say word only. Amen. But also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. That's how the gospel came. It didn't come in word only. Well, we're a word bride, Brother Tim. We're word, 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 word. Word is a person. It's a Holy Ghost. It's not a message book. It's not even even the Bible. Yes, the Bible contains the word of God. It's in written form. I get that. Not denying that. But that's not who the word is. Before there was a Bible, there was the word. Before there was a sermon book printed of Brother Branham, there was the word. Come on. And the word was with God and the word was God. And it's the same Holy Ghost that we got today. And when you get the Holy Ghost, then you got the word. Not when you get intellectual learning, but when you get the Holy Ghost, then you got the word. You got it backwards. Now, second coming, 1955. I know this 55 quote, some people makes a difference to him. But you can go, you know, I'm just going to say, well, this was when he was a prophet. So when he was a prophet, he said this. 
The gospel is not going out and teaching the Bible. By the way, all of this can be found in other quotes after 63, all the way to 65. The gospel is not going out and teaching the Bible. That isn't the gospel. It is written in the scripture that the gospel didn't come through just the word only, but through the power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. The gospel, that is the word, but the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. Now, a seed laying there, laying here on the pulpit is just a seed until it dies and becomes germatized and dies. It'll never do any, anything. So the seed, the word, has to be made manifest in order to be the gospel. Uh-huh. It said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Now, depending on what the word was, a word is the expression of a thought. It has to be a thought before it can be a word. So God in the beginning gave the thought of what it would be, spoke the word for it to be. We receive the word and it produces what God thought it was. The word is the gospel in seed form. Now, if you ask me, say, Brother Branham, your country, they have acorn trees. That's an oak tree in case you don't know. But if you, would you give me an acorn tree? He said, I'll give you an acorn. And I'll give you an acorn. You have an acorn tree potentially, but it's in seed form. You can't say absolutely you've got a tree until the seed has produced a tree. Well, the preaching, uh, preaching the word is the acorn, but making it live is the gospel. That's right. If he promised the Holy Spirit, that's the word. And receiving the Holy Spirit is making it live, manifested. If he promised these blessings by the word, then accepting the word and producing what he said is the gospel. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. The next line is proof that just teaching the word wouldn't do it. He said, these signs have followed them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils, evil spirits, speak with new tongues, take up servants, drink the deadly things that would not harm them, lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And now that's the gospel And theology and teaching has substituted its place. So you're not even truly teaching the gospel or preaching the gospel unless it's manifested. Amen. As Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. You see, the prophets didn't think these things up. Amen. It wasn't on their own. This was not their intellect. They had no right to ask for intellectual property rights. Come on. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, the mysteries of God that, that has been revealed to us, I want you to understand, it is not man's studied opinion. It comes from the realm of the supernatural. And when the seals were opened, night after night, they were revealed by the angel of God. Amen. Now, sure, study has its place. Paul admonished us to study to show ourselves a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You should read your Bible. You should listen to tapes. You should should study the word of God. But But remember, it don't take ordinary study and thinking to make the book real. It takes the operation of the Holy Ghost. And that means it cannot be revealed except 
to a special class of people who have the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it'll take them, them that because when you have the Holy Ghost, you're birthed into the supernatural and it gives you a prophetic insight and it requires an ability to hear from God and it requires supernatural instruction. Not just a student comparing verse with verse, though that's good, but a mystery requires the teaching of the Spirit or it never becomes clear. How we need to hear from God and lay ourselves open and become yielded to the Spirit to hear and know. Now, that's why we need more than study. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The message, I'm just going to say some things here. The message has been studied and tinkered with. Men have added their own ideas and opinions to it until the car that Brother Branham left running that would drive down to the power of God that took away sin desire. Amen. We're told it, it don't do that no more. You don't have that kind of experience that takes away sin desires. You know, you, you just kind of got to grow into some kind of token life out here somewhere that, that held out like a carrot in front of a goat that you never get. Because you're not going to get it that way. It comes by a birth. It comes by the burning of sin out of your life. Amen. That's right. Sure, you grow in the life of God. I'm not trying to do away with that. But what I'm saying is, you've got to have that birth that cleanses sin out of a life. It's not something you're just going to get over. It's something that's got to be dealt with. That's why we have altar calls. Deal with it. Amen. Sometimes you want me to pray for you. I didn't do the sinning. Amen, you get down, you talk to God, you cry it out. You weep your way to Calvary. You repent. You get get where you're more sorry than you're just sorry you got caught at something. You get more sorry than, oh, it's it's, it's bad for my health. It's not gonna be good for marriage. It's it's not good for my home. It's gotta be more than that. It's gotta be, I hate sin. Amen, my desires have to be changed. I don't want it no more. This is not AA classes. Well, we take this step and this step we're going to grow into where we don't drink alcohol no more. That, that, you'll fall off the wagon doing that. You'll be always there, tempted on every hand. You know, I, still the desire is there. But if God ever burns that sin desire out of your life, you won't want that no more. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Are you with me? Amen. But we, you know, we, we, we again, you know, today we, 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 we had a car that was left running. It would drive down to the power of the blood that took away sin desires. You know, we're, we're told that we, God doesn't do it that way no more. We just need to tinker with it some more. And one day, hope will grow out of our sins. You know, that car would, uh, would drive down to divine healing. Amen. And now we're told for the days for the use of that car is over. It's just a shiny something that sits in a, that sits in a museum. 
and, and now it's um, you know just a shiny something that we read about what God used to do and what this car once did. It won the run this race, my in South Africa. There was great healings and miracles, and, and over there in, in India, there was so many come to Christ, and it bound maniacs. And you know, we're reading all about it, and we got a car in the museum. Because now that car's antique. But these cars today, we got a new model. It's now filled with psychology. Because the car Brother Brown drove, you know, just didn't don't have the bells and whistles of the new one. We've modernized the new one until it's so dead. So dead the horn won't even blow. Remember that there were, there were two cars he was talking about. Both had work, high-octane gasoline in Feel high-octane. Let me tell you, this Bible is high-octane. Amen. It is, it's got power in it. Don't you believe that? But you can lay it on somebody that's dead, it won't make them alive. You can slay it on somebody that is sick, it won't heal them. But you ever let the spirit come down upon the word like Isaiah 53 that says I was wounded for your transgression, I was bruised for your iniquity, and the Holy Spirit come down upon that and ignite it to you, you'll walk out of here healed or saved or whatever the need is. Now, but, you know, we want the latest bells and whistles, you know, the doe-skin seats and the diamond-studded steering wheels. But it has no spark, no life, no dynamics. Amen. So let's guess what? Your gasoline might as well be water. All the doctrine in the world might as well be water unless the Holy Spirit is there to quicken it. Well, you know, the other car wasn't so polished, but it would run. Two cars. One doe skin, it's diamond studded, wouldn't go. Had to push it off the assembly line, but it wouldn't move. It's just for a display. But you see, but you see the other one would drive. You see, it would run. You say, well, Brother Tim, what you folks are driving is way too noisy. We like it quiet. But you see, dead cars don't go anywhere. They're for the museum. <laughs> Amen. Well, I don't like it, Brother Tim. There's just too much horn blowing over at evening like tabernacle, too much cranking on the pistons. I don't like that shouting and dancing in the spirit. But this car does more than that. Amen, it's chock full of the word. I'll tell you, it's filled with jet fuel. Hallelujah. When we need it, it drove down to divine healing and healed Sister Lana. Amen, yeah. She blew the horn shouting all over. The building shouting the glory of God. (laughs) But it went somewhere. Amen, she went back the next day and pronounced cancer free. Somebody help me preach. I don't like these prayer lines, Brother Tim. Too much cranking on the the piston. Too much horn blowing. Does does that go anywhere? Well, 
from a riot, huh? Amen, a little girl who lost all her hair with alopecia, she went to the prayer line and that demon was cursed and all her hair drew back. I told you, he said, God will restore. Amen, I told you this car will dry. Hallelujah. Well, I don't like those altar calls. Well, we just got a we just got a email today with a testimony from a young brother, Gerson Mora. I think he's from Indiana. Said, I want to thank the Lord for moving and filling me with his Holy Spirit on Sunday morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. It'll drive. It'll drive down to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It'll drive to divine healing. It'll drive. It's gonna go all the way to the rapture. We're not finish line. Well, what about deliverance from alcohol, drugs, and tobacco? Yes, it will drive down to that too. Amen. You know that gaming and porn is an addiction too. It's a drug. And oh, now we're having to give classes on it, how to deal with it. Well, I tell you, this car that we're driving, it leaves gaming and porn in the dust and so far behind us, you can't see it anymore in the rear view mirror. That life is past, and it's in the blood of Jesus Christ, and men and women are overcomers. This is not a dead, emotionless religion. This truth, this doctrine comes as rain. Amen. It's not dry. It comes as rain. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 2, my doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass. But it comes as a refreshing. You see, it's not a drought. Amen. It don't dry you up. It gets you full of the moisture of the Holy Ghost. Amen, bringing you in the power of the word and burning the greenness, the immaturity out of your life. The anointed word is not a dry and dead theology. It's the last rain. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brings the wheat to the head and the full maturity. Now, things that are to be, Brother Branham told us, he said that, that we know that this is the day of salvation where God is calling men from the world from a life of sin unto a life of service. And in the day that God has poured out his spirit from on high, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. This is when the former and latter rain are falling together and we know that there is supposed to be great signs and wonders, which in many great denominations this is turned down. Now, again, it's the weed age. That's where we're at. Let me just tell you what the grain is to be like, the weed age, the grain age. It's the weed age, friends. It's the weed. There's a ministry on the earth that's just like the one that went into the ground back yonder at the beginning, a real Pentecostal experience. Oh, yes, we must lay in the presence of the sun. It's the full light. That's him. Revelation 10, I already showed you. His face was as it were the sun. Brother Branham tells us in Restoration of the Bride Tree. But the evening light shall rise in the west to shine upon the word, to ripen the fruit, 
to bring forth the bride tree with the same signs and wonders and fruits that they had at the beginning. It shall be light in the evening time. Right, all the word then will bring forth its fruit in its season. It shall not wither. It'll bring forth its fruit. David said, in its season, amen. Same fruit it had at the beginning. Now with his word in his predestinated stage, as he got it now, we see the words all being manifested. What is it? It's a perfect vindication that the coming of the Lord is at hand. He said, I will restore. So you see, and, and, and then he said, you know, I, I've been listening to the Pentecostal friends. And he said, I, my brethren there, they have predicted a sweeping revival coming. Now listen, they got one. It was a charismatic revival. There's now not just a couple of million Pentecostals, there's 500, there's a half a billion. There's a half a billion Pentecostals. Now, so you see, they've had a sweeping revival, but it was an intellectual revival. Are you with me? But he said, he said now, I think our, our revelation should must be scriptural and then we know it's right if it's scripture it's from the Lord and I'm beginning to believe that that's right there's coming a ripening time for the evening fruits amen, amen. amen. so well there ain't nothing more coming brother Tim he said I'm beginning to believe that what they said is actually right that there is to come in a ripening time for evening fruits Hallelujah. A maturity. Can, can't you see? I mean, maybe you're not tying it all together, but Sarah had reached the point. Come on. Where that, where that it was now the season and the time for the word to be made manifest and her faith had to be ripened. She had to start believing. Amen. If I can't believe in divine healing, how am I going to believe for a body change? If I can't believe that God can save a soul from sin, how can I believe he will heal a body from sickness? Now, the last thing that the church is going to see, Brother Branham says, in their message investment, the last thing the church is going to see is Christ manifesting in his fullness, in, in his power, in fullness in his church just before the fire falls. Is everybody with me on page? Amen. The last thing. So the last thing is God's coming in the flesh. Now, not into one man. All one man scriptures have been fulfilled. Oh, Brother Tim, you, rec- you, you, you re- reject this man, you're rejecting Christ. Nonsense. Right. Amen. All one man's scriptures have been fulfilled. I'm not looking for another leader to rise up. I'm not trying to be the next Joshua or the next Moses or the next, you know, I, you know that was a whole problem when, when, when I was a young preacher. They sent out tracks around, you know, newsletters. And one now is, is uh, Elihu, and the other is uh, Joshua, and the other is Jehu. 
and the other, you know, he's going to go after the, the harlot church. And, this, and they had all these men with their pictures of all that they were going to be. And they turned out to be drunks and alcoholics and got their own message and went out and deceived people and, and caused train wrecks everywhere. Well, Brother Jim, you need to turn a corner. I ain't following your corner. There's a prophet turned the corner. I ain't looking for another one. I ain't trying to be the next one. Amen. But I am saying there is a church body. There is a bride of Christ around the world. It ain't an evening like tabernacle. You don't have to come here to get it. It ain't about us. It's about him. One man's scriptures have been fulfilled. We're not looking for another great one with visions and miracles and this and that and the other. This is a body ministry. These signs shall follow them that believe. I hope you get it. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham said there's to be a, a, a great big outpouring again, 63, a big outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, sir, to grab that church. Take her into the skies. What? A big outpouring of the Spirit. Not an intellectual revival. An outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need. Come on. Amen. That's how we need. We need. If you want to study, study to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Study to get filled with the presence of God. Study until sin is put out of the back, in the background. And all you see is Jesus. Hope you're getting me. Amen. He said, Brother Branham said, and what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? God's little flock that believes the word, its mechanics is ready too. It's ready for the dynamics to set it afire with the Holy Ghost. Fear not, little flock. It's God's will to give you the kingdom. The Holy Ghost, somebody say it, Holy Ghost will strike a little church that's come out of the world, women that wears long hair, Nazarite to prove they are separated from the world. It's going to strike those who are obedient to the word of God. Amen. He tells again, and is your life worthy of the gospel? God is going to send another shaking across the country because there's somebody still out there. And I say, oh God, start with evening like tabernacle. Send a shaking. Amen, that shakes sin out, that exposes wrong, that brings a word into full preeminence. <laughs> Amen. Well, there's no hope for revival. Brother Dim, it's all over. 1963, the token. I'm looking for the time of a break forth of the Spirit of God in this last day that we're living in for another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church for a rapture and faith just before it comes and everything is sitting straight in order for that. And I believe that we know at the time that the word should have preeminence. Well, what about some more, Brother Tim? Well, he said in perfect faith. Did you hear that? Perfect faith. Sarah had imperfect faith. She had her aimed at the wrong thing. She just believed Hagar could do it and Abraham could do it. Come on. People say, well, Brother Branham did and Christ did it and that, but I don't know about me. Let me tell you. Sarah, your heart's got to be turned. You got to start believing for your miracle. You got to start speaking to your mountain. Your mountain has got to hear your voice. 
It's gotta be your voice. I can't do it for you. It's gotta be your voice that you say to that mountain. You need to start saying to that thing that's been bothering you, you devil, you're not holding me anymore. I am a blood-washed, blood-bought son or daughter of the living God, and I'm not giving one inch to you. I'm speaking to you in the name of the Lord. I will walk in victory. I will walk in love. I will walk in, in the grace of God. I will be like Enoch, and I'll walk with God till I am not. said, I'm trying to get the church into a place where we can really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger. It's just laying right at the door, but we want to see more of it. We see it, but we want to see more of it. How many would say that? We see it, but we want to see more of it. Don't stop, God. Don't stop the flow. We wanted such a flow that it'll be a help to us and it'll flow out to others. That's what we wanted to do. Amen. Oh, you say, Brother Tim, ah, you know, all of that's passing. That's just Pentecostalism. It's not Pentecostalism. Amen. I'll tell you what it is. The prophet of God said, the reason I do believe that when the bride is called and, and elected and set in the book of life, there will come a sound from heaven that'll take such a baptism of the Holy Spirit into that bride that'll take her from the earth in rapture and grace. Hallelujah, that's what we ought to be looking for. Amen, that's what we ought to be expecting, a sound from heaven that'll take such a baptism of the Holy Spirit into that bride. Hallelujah. Oh my, he said, he said, and the world is a falling apart. It seems like there's a drying out of the churches. Hardly can find a church anywhere that's alive with the word and with the spirit of God and great things taking place like it was not long ago. Don't sound like it's supposed to be in decline. Sounds like we ought to be expecting it. Come on. Say, so, well, we got the doctrine, it's rain then. If it's true doctrine, it's rain. It's the Holy Ghost. It's being poured out on all flesh. And what does it do when it's poured out? My sons and my daughters shall prophesy. My young men will see visions. My old men will dream dreams. In that day, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Somebody help me. Amen. You know that's the truth. That's what God promised. That's what God's doing. Amen. You see, the atmosphere has got to be right for it. This is where Sarah was. She was there in the wrong atmosphere. Said, Brother Tim, atmosphere has nothing to do with that. We don't want no atmosphere for the Holy Ghost. Well, you just be that way. I want it. Well, we want an atmosphere for maturity. Well, you know to be mature. Okay. Well, that atmosphere then will bring gifts and signs and wonders and Holy Ghost and power of God and all of that. But let me tell you, as I bring this down to close, that the atmosphere for this is right. It's right. It's the right atmosphere. You know what we try to do in our services is create an atmosphere. Because it's when the, in the atmosphere, things can happen. When there's no atmosphere for it, faith isn't there. 
Amen. Healing isn't there. Miracles ain't there. There has to be an atmosphere for it. Are you with me? So, you know, now, I, I don't even have time to get into this, but maybe I'll do it in another service. But if you took a glimpse down at Sodom, just for a moment, you would see Satan becoming incarnate in a people. They're so full of the devil. They will mock the righteous and abuse angels. They hate righteousness. They hate even the laws of God. They don't even want his name mentioned. This is the most anti-God nation that we have ever had. They've given over to the devil. They're over to reprobate minds. Sodom has increased in my generation from 1% of the population identifying as homosexual to nearly one out of four of those who are in generation Z, ages 18 to 25, now identify as homosexual or transgender. One of them. You know, and the rest are okay with it. I said the rest are okay with it. Even those in my generation are okay with it. You see, it's your freedom to do so. That was not American freedom. American freedom was not that. You see, that's democracy, all sails and no anchor. So they just keep on going. You know where you're going to liberate everything and everything, every devil in hell is coming out of the closet. To the point they want perverts and, and everything else. You, you know, um, I, Brother EJ tried to call me the other day and, and, and I learned about it from Brother Timothy that one of, our, one of our school resource officers in Shreveport now, he come and identified as a fox. He's a fox. Not a man at all. Not a woman. He's a fox. Well, I don't want the fox in my chicken coop, <laughs> guarding my hen house, looking after my kids. Come on, somebody. That's not what you do. Amen. That's insanity. Can you, can you imagine somebody putting down for their gender a fox? A cat? That's insanity. We, we're laughing about it this morning and think how ridiculous this is, but it's stupid. It's so somebody is now insane. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham told us in the message, um, anointed ones in time, he said, there are three things that lay before you and see if this ain't prophecy. First, the world is in a Sodom condition. Now, across the world right now, people are laughing at them stupid Americans. Well, we are stupid. Go ahead and laugh, but go around and look around. The world is in a Sodom condition. Jesus said it would happen. Look at the perversion. Our women trying to act like men. Our men trying to act like women. Sissified, rotten, filthy, low down, devil possessed, and don't know it. And the Bible said it would happen, and that's where it's at. And you don't think I'll preach against it? Huh, you missed it. Amen, you missed it, I will. And you ought to be thankful for it. Amen. We don't want our girls looking like men, taking their hair and looking like men. We don't want our boys looking like women. 
Come on, we want holiness, righteousness. That's what the gospel produces. Amen. So you see, the world is in a sodom condition. Jesus said it would happen. Look at the perversion. I'll tell you, we ought to say in our home, it stops here. It ain't welcome in our home. It ain't welcome in our church. So, you know, you know we, we don't want it in our church. You said, Brother Tim, you, you don't want gays in your church? Yeah, I want them to come. I want the gay, the lesbian, transversites, every one of them come down. They ain't no different than a prostitute. I want the prostitute to come. But I don't want to remain prostitutes and gay and lesbian and this and that. I want them to find Jesus. I want them to find the change in their lives. That's what I wanted to find. I want to see the power of God go forth and the salvation. Hallelujah. You say you don't love them? Yeah, I love them. I love them enough to say that sin, that's wrong. It's an evil spirit, but we got hope for you. There is mercy, there is grace. We were just at a meeting that I preached, I think it was when I preached. Yeah. There's a boy with a man bun. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you get a man bun. I had never seen a man bun. They call him a man bun, but that ain't a man bun. Man don't have buns. <laughs> that was a man with a woman bun. Yeah. You know, you're confused. No man bun there. But anyway, he came. He'd been, you know, poor guy, you know, come up. He had a soft voice and, you know, it wasn't, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't really a manly voice and people began to tell him he was, he was really a girl. He began to believe that lie. Took him out of the house of God, took him out of church, took him away from his family, took him in a life of sin. But you see, he heard that there was a meeting going on. And that there was hope for people like him. And prophecy went forth that called him to an altar. Amen. And before that he left from there, that man with the girl bun, amen, got a change in his life, was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and sent out a testimony, I'm free, I'm delivered, I'm saved. That's the power of God under salvation. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the hope that we offer. And when the Holy Ghost comes in, it'll make a man a man and a woman a woman. But secondly, it's the hour for Janice and Jambres. So sure, there's impersonators. There's always been impersonators. And certainly he was. Thirdly, it's at the same hour that the Son of Man is being revealed. Hallelujah. So in the very hour that the world is in the Sodom condition, in the very hour where there are hypocrites everywhere impersonating real true Christianity, is somebody helping me preach now? 
Amen. Then I want you to know thirdly, it is the same hour that the Son of Man is revealing himself. Christ coming in human flesh. Hallelujah. That's what we ought to look for today. We ought to look for Christ among us. The Son of Man, the Word of God to be manifested in my flesh and your flesh. Let's stand together and worship God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Get in your car today. Drive right on down to healing. Drive on down to miracles. Go drive on down to praise. Go ahead and blow your horn. We got life in here. Go ahead and thank on the picture. Vindication, the rapture is at hand. Blessed be the name of the Lord.